Okay. We have left. Mm. Hello, brother. Hello, sister. No, 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 no. Okay. Episode two, but actually one in three, two, one. Hello. 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 Uh, and welcome to the second episode, but really the first episode, since it was a intro. introduction episode an intro. last time. Yes. Uh, of uh, You Would Totally Love This. My name is Trevor. My name is Nell. I'll be your brother and sister. Uh, that um, there's really no point to say that. I'm just putting everything on the table. I was wearing a sweatshirt with your face on it you were. about 10 minutes ago. You were, and it's a very uh, 40-year-old virgin look that I have in that picture that you found. It reminds me of the poster of Steve Quayle. Just... Anyway, yes. Um, this podcast, as we mentioned, is is about trying to share things that we legitimately think the other would love. And trying to not necessarily prove how much we know about the other person, but trying to... Share in the joy... Of something that I love that I hope right. you love. Right. It's, it's, and it's okay if you don't. For sure. It's two parts. <laughs> well, the, the ratio could change, but it's two parts legitimately wanting to share this thing that we love. And one part wanting to get validation for this thing that we love. <laughs> because if you love it, that means, oh, we're right. <laughs> it should be just we love it. That's enough. But I think inevitably there's always a sense of we want the other person to love it as much as, as we much do. As much as we do. <laughs> so... The goal is to do that. So we have started with uh, Parks and Rec, which I have recommended to you many times. My for wife years. and I love it for years. I don't even know how many years. Probably. Probably since it's, maybe since season two. Um, and you've watched, what, just a couple episodes here and there, but just never. I had watched two. Yeah. Chandler and I watched two, maybe two years ago. Yeah. And then just. Just couldn't get into didn't, it. Didn't. Yeah, no. didn't continue. So the, this podcast will be going episode by episode through Parks and Rec to see if and when, I'm going to say when, you get hooked. <laughs> Done. And then once you get hooked, if it keeps you hooked, and at the end, if you love it as much as we do. <laughs> because Parks and Rec is a show that, that my wife, Shannon, and I have watched many, 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 many times. We It's just a feel-good Show. I feel like I hear you guys quote it, and, or even like just reference it. Very many times, many times. And it goes whoosh, over my head. <laughs> so no longer <laughs> after we go through this. Um, so we'll just go through the plot real quick of episode one. It, this is, mm-hmm. I mean, it, as all season premieres, series premieres, it is getting to know the characters. It's always awkward. Uh, the pilots are. I mean, there are a few very brilliant pr- pilots sure. in the world, but I feel like of the ones I've they're watched, rare. they're always awkward. Always because you don't. You don't know the characters, so you don't really know who you're rooting for. You don't know who you like. I know for me personally, I don't like a show if I don't have anyone to root for. Right. So this one, you're getting to know Leslie Note, played by Amy Poehler, um, who is very much, at least early, the kind of the, the Michael Scott of the Pawnee, yeah, Indiana so local government. It's very awkward. Yeah. Um, and she learns in, in, the, in the first episode that there's an abandoned lot. <laughs> and her goal becomes she wants to turn this abandoned lot into a park. And she wants to get her boss to give her the task. Her boss, played by Nick Offerman, Ron Swanson, who 
it's different. Who from, hates government? Hates government. Very much a libertarian. Which is hilarious. Yes, um, and he doesn't. He doesn't want anything to be built. Uh, but then someone she had a fling with, uh, Mark Brandanowitz, uh, comes which he in. She barely remembers. Which she barely remembers. <laughs> he comes in and asks for a favor to Ron to get Ron to give her the task of putting mm-hmm. into a park, which she does. Um, and so the last scene is of her being told, you got it, the task is yours. And it's like she's been given the boat to sail across an ocean to a new land. Right. She's <laughs> very excited. She feels very... She's very excited. Um, so I'll just, since this is your third attempt, second attempt, at what did you think of the episode? Well, it did help that I had... I, as I watched it, I mean, it was two years ago when I watched it. So it did help that I kind of remembered where it was going once I started to watch it. And I still, I, it's just, it's so hard for me to watch a, a person be made fun of. And even though it's done, and it's also, I actually feel like that style of show has changed a little bit. It's, it's like mired in the kind of cynicism and, um, I mean, the anti-government stuff and the program, I mean, it's all hilariously framed, but it's like, it's that cynicism about people and humanity that, that a lot of shows had when this started. And I could never, I mean, I, I liked The Office, but I could never quite get into it. I, I liked, oh, what was that? Arrested Development, if I saw mm. it, but I just never watched it. Like, it. It's even Seinfeld way back in the day, sure. although that was less about making fun of people, more about just being ridiculous weird um, yeah. but it's it's like looking at the camera like I don't even like in real life if somebody does something stupid and then someone looks at me like no that was stupid I'm like I look away I'm not I'm not sharing this with you <laughs> and so when Aziz Ansari looks at me I'm like I am not agreeing with you you're a jerk <laughs> yeah um, and uh, yeah so I can feel myself even though she's so ridiculous in many ways uh yeah, I, cr- I just get that cringe sure. thing where I'm like, I'm I'm not part of this meanness. <laughs> I wish I could remember. So, uh, we, my wife, my wife actually, I think she loves the Office, the American Office, more than I do the British Office. I won't even try because I just know I'm going to hate everybody, and I just I won't be able to get into it. Right. But the American Office, my wife loves it more than I do. She will watch it over and over, and there are times where I will leave the room. Because I know what's coming. I know it's going to be incredibly awkward. And I wish I could remember when I watched Parks and Rec for the first time, if there were any moments where I felt like I needed to leave the room. Mm. In my memory, which is spotty at best, there were not. Mm. There were moments where you could see we're going that route. But they definitely make Leslie Nope a smarter Michael Scott. Right. She is like a... I mean, you root for her. I mean, I am rooting for her just because the things that she... Even though she does it in ridiculous ways, the things that she wants are good things. A park is a beautiful thing. Sure. You know, she wants government to be its best. Sure. Um, and she so believes you, wholeheartedly in democracy. Yeah, and so you're like, ridiculous yeah, amount. Leslie, go. Even if she does things that are just cringe. Right. You know, Bridget Jones Diary cringy. Right. Um, which, but I think it is in the more of the vein of the Bridget Jones Diary where you are rooting for her. Right. And like her and, Yeah. I, mean, I, think, I can see that that will. Yeah, and I think right, I remember The Office. I feel it might have been. I don't know the episode, but it might have been episode three or four when you finally saw Michael Scott being good at something and, and, and realize, oh, that's, that's why, why he's he in the is. position he's in. Whereas with Leslie Nope, it's kind of right out of the gate. You see, right. oh, she is super dedicated. She's super excited to take on whatever project she will. 
it could be the, you know, the smallest project in the world. And she's going to go interview kids in the park to find out what they like about that. Um, so you see right away, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I know who she is. I know what she's about. Certainly we'll learn more about her, but it's easy to root for her, even though, as you said, she's ridiculous. Right. Right. And she's not, she is not, a, my memory of Michael Scott, and I've only watched, you know, here and there, but it's that his ego gets really wrapped up right. in everything. And obviously she has an ego. She wants to be, you know, the top dog. Would you say she's ambitious? She is ambitious and I like it. <laughs> um, but she, it, her ego is not the thing that she walks into right. the room with. Um it's more like, let's do it, guys. Right. Teamwork. Like the, the things that trip her up are almost being too excited yeah. about and being so far ahead in excitement than everyone else. Right. Then they have to kind of rein her in, but then she's also pulling them towards her. And, and so there's the, the conflict is in the, no, 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 we want to be lazy. No, 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 we want to wake up at five in the morning and work and until actually 10 do something. And do stuff and, and right. show how government is good. Um, but yeah. the, the episode itself, it is... Not a lot happens, really. I mean, you, again, it's just no. introducing everybody. Right, it's just, and it's, and some of the, I mean, What's-Her-Face's boyfriend. Chris Pratt. Who is Who just, interesting is that, is, is listed as guest-starring Chris Pratt. Oh, that's funny. So and they I, didn't know if he was going to continue. I guess, I don't, yeah. Or uh-huh. they, maybe they didn't know. So the first season, I realized, and I'd forgotten this, was a, I think it was seven episodes. Oh. So, some, some facts here. So it was originally aired on April 9th, 2009. 2009, So it was okay. the second half of the TV April. viewing experience. So, so Obama had just got really come into just, the presidency. Yeah, just so, so you could actually see... If it was be, so it was being written, you know, just as he was elected, probably. It was probably... I think it was... Doing some research, it was probably conceived towards the end of the Bush administration right. as Obama was and being elected. And all that elected. anti-government thousand percent. stuff. All, and apparently, um, the so Michael Schur, who was a writer and eventually the um, executive producer or the showrunner of The Office, um, who also played Moe's on The Office, and uh, mm-hmm. Greg Daniels, who was Saturday Night Live and then also co-creator of The Office and a writer, they co-created Parks and Rec and uh-huh. wrote the first episode. Uh, Greg Daniels directed it and they conceived of it together and apparently went to a bunch of community forums in Los Angeles to try to kind of get a I, sense. I have been to those. Oh, I, <laughs> I can only imagine what Los Angeles has. Um, it's, yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot of people over the age of 60 who are, who don't want parks. Right. I'm sure. <laughs> really just I'm really sure. don't want them. I'm sure. So we meet, uh, Chris, um, Chris Pratt, Andy Dwyer, who had fallen into this lot, his girlfriend, Ann Perkins, played by Rashida Jones, who... She's incredibly likable. She, I mean, she's, she's the one... Is she and then the the person that she slept with? Um, oh, Mark Brandenowitz. Yeah, Brandenowitz. Um, they're the ones, at least in the first episode, that I... I'm like, okay, you guys are normal people who I can... I don't feel like you're mean-spirited. No. Um... I can see you're trying to figure out the situation, but like they're not mean people. And so at least it gives an in yeah. where I'm like, okay, these are, you know, there are two, every, every right. woman, every man's. They're good I at can. their jobs. They're not necessarily super ambitious. They just want to do a good job and live their life. Right. Um, for sure. Um, and it's, yeah. And then you have Leslie who's on the other end and then you have the, <laughs> and then even Tom Haverford who, He's, you know, he's crazy. I mean, but well, he's also, it's like the Me Too crazy. movement has, yes. is nowhere near no. his kind, which is funny because of season Ontario, although obviously that's a very complicated thing, but, um, but his character is, uh, 
I mean, you really, I did feel, I'm like, oh, I'm back in the Bush administration. <laughs> I, not, I mean, nothing's changed that much in terms of like the inner workings of, you know, local government, sure. except that there are more people involved, I think, sometimes on the, on the, the park, the park side of things. Yeah. But, um, but you can feel that Bush cynicism, like the Bush era cynicism, yeah. um, just infiltrating everything yeah. in it and the humor, which is fun. Of um, Yeah. And that's interesting, again, having watched the whole series, you see people who become a big part of the show. I mean, Aubrey Praza as the intern, she's obviously right. in there. But then you see Retta and you see, you know, so the people who all, the other people who work in the Parks Department will are just become. there. And they will become. But it's interesting to see that they were just there. They right. were lines. Yeah. They were just sitting there. Um, and it's interesting. And it kind of makes you wonder, and I'm sure I'll find out when I research, how what was the decision to make them bigger parts of the show? Because I do feel anymore ensemble stories, ensemble casts help make a sitcom that much better because there's so many different avenues you can focus on where it's not just this couple or this person. It's everyone and you can kind of mix and match the stories. Well, and I wonder, because I know, I mean, obviously people write pilots in any way that they uh, want to, but in the kind of like the ideal framing of a pilot it's always said that you should at least introduce, even if it's just for a second, people who are going to carry through. Sure. And so it, either they weren't going to carry through or they're like, we'll just at least show them in a scene, right. um, even though we don't have time in this 20 minute period because right. they have to make an arc and they have to do the thing. But um, we at least give us a, a sense of the whole, uh, knowing that they will yeah. play a role. And you role. certainly want to introduce the main people because obviously that's who you're right. going to be focusing on. Right. Um, so... Uh, my favorite line. Any general thoughts before we move on to the next section? Uh, no, the location was interesting to me. It seemed like Indiana, because they're talking about Terry Hot, yeah. which I just went through um, <laughs> two months ago. Um, uh, but I could see that I think they shot in Los Angeles. Did, like, yeah. I was like, that looks like a street I know. <laughs> um, and I'm like, those street, those street lamps are... Those are 1920s era Los Angeles street lamps. Um, but I love that stuff. Like, yeah. I know in the office that they shot in California, I remember the one, I was like, that does not look like Pennsylvania. No, yeah. um, I don't recognize that from Scranton. And I, I love that stuff because it's, yeah. it, it's it's the magic of making things. It, 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 it always amazed me when, like, How I Met Your Mother was filmed in L.A., but obviously it was set in New York. And there's a scene where Josh Radner is trying to date um, Emily, you know, Emily Chalk, I can't remember her name. And so there's a scene where he basically has a one minute date with her where he's like, they come in a cab, they drop off and he's running back and forth on what looks like a New York sideway. And I'm watching and thinking, man, that is a super clean sidewalk. There was zero chance that is New York. There's no gum. And there were people who legitimately thought it was filmed in New York City. And I thought, that's just way too clean. It's just, there's no way. But that, yeah. The foot traffic on those sidewalks are. But I mean, it's funny that you pick. Pawnee, Indiana is interesting because of the fact oh, it is that... Pa- right, of course, Pawnee. Pawnee, but they mentioned Terre Haute. Is, is the founder of Pawnee came from Terre Haute. I think we find that out in the next one. But it's interesting because I don't think... No one knows what that would really look like. It's not right. like they Nobody pick San Francisco it. where right. you're like, wait, that doesn't look like San Francisco. So right. you can easily just almost ignore the fact of what the location is because it doesn't matter. It's just a small right. town in... Name the state. And I, I did... I really appreciated that right off the bat... Now I can't remember. There, there is a sense of like, just the, the, the 
taking over of the land from Native Americans and like the, the weird racist pride that yes. comes from yeah. where, where it's just, you're just like, Oh God, what the fuck, you know? Uh, and yeah. it, and, and they do it in a funny way, but they're not, they're not ignoring it. They're right. like, you know, this town, Pawnee, first yeah. of all, the name, second of all, like, you know, we're building a park in yeah. land that was stolen. And, um, and yet she's so awkward and, she's both racist but slash ignorant and yeah. they, I don't know they do it it's, in it's like a, a weird and, and they do that throughout the series but there's a weird balance of pride of your town but recognition of the atrocities that people in your town did in the past but you're so proud to be where you're from um, and it's an interesting yeah, she's like so like she is just Miss Pawnee she right. loves Pawnee but then she also recognizes there were some bad things that we did but that doesn't dilute from her love of her town right and that's such a fine line yes. to, to walk and I think the humor in that yeah I thought they did a good job of the humor because of course we're watching like oh Jesus right. um, but she's just so oblivious right. that um, yeah it's like it's dark humor in a good in a good way yeah, um, yeah. Um, so then obviously Ron Swanson we meet a little bit um, and he's different from I think who he eventually becomes I mean he's still a libertarian it's interesting I'll be Again, I'm watching this with a different focus. So my vision of Ron Swanson is who he is at the towards the, the end. end. Yeah, yeah. With these, he has these great lines and these great and these great memes that are based on Ron Swanson, um, and he's a little on the edges, but a little bit different. He's a shaky character in this because he, to me, because I don't know yeah. what he becomes. Right. But he's very funny. He's so funny, right. um, and he's likable because that's just who he is. No. Uh, even though he's saying atrocious things and doing <laughs> atrocious things, but you you don't really get a sense of who he is as a human. Mm-hmm. And it's right. very it's a little bit all over the place. It's like he hates government, but then he's like, and he's very he doesn't get, seem to care about anything. But then at the end, he's like doing that like go yeah. the, the poster, Bobby yeah, Knight. Bobby Knight, yeah. and he's. So you're like, wait, you're excited about something? So it, I, I, yeah. he's a shaky character. It's like, yes, and I think, again, that comes from 22 minutes, first episode. Right. You're just trying to introduce people. Um, and he does, and I guess that's maybe where he changes when you see his heart and see how much he cares about his people, even though he's gruff, and right. um, which we'll obviously get to. Um, so my favorite line mm-hmm. we're going to pick is, and I think they say this a couple times, throughout the series, but um, what I hear when I'm being yelled at is people caring loudly at me. <laughs> I love that line. I because that line to me, that, that is a community form, is people caring loudly. <laughs> that was my favorite line. Uh, you know, that's funny, because I think that was my favorite line, because um, it made me laugh. So it, it was the one that made me laugh the hardest. Um, but on that same, or and on that same kind of zone, um, Oh God! There was another line about government that was just—it's pretty much any line that she has about government. Yeah. Where she's so excited about the things that everybody else yeah. hates about government. Is that the one about the the government, the tires of the government, the government hitting the road of the people? Yeah, and her <laughs> deliveries of that, where she yeah. can never say a phrase. She can't quite get it right. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, she just always makes it, me laugh. Um, but I, that's funny because I do think that was my my favorite because it made me laugh the, the hardest. Um, I'm trying to think of. Yeah. There weren't as many. 
There are not as you, many one-liners. Yeah, I actually watched it twice because the first time I watched it, I thought, wait, I don't know if I grabbed a, a favorite line out of that. So I watched mm-hmm. it again. I said, oh, I remember that. That was the line that stuck out. But it wasn't necessarily a hilarious. It was just kind of a, a funny, interesting line. A, right. a true. But yeah, there weren't as many um, phone rings. Technical difficulty. But there weren't as many jokey jokes that really and again there's no laugh track in this so it's not like you have an audience that's telling you when to laugh which I actually love I would prefer sitcoms that don't have a laugh oh, track laugh tracks um, but yeah there weren't many what you would call hilarious you know just side splitting laughter moments oh you know the one that the other line besides that one that I laughed really hard when she came out to talk to Prachanowicz what's his name Mark Prachanowicz and she, she was like hey you Polish person and I was like oh my god um and it just encapsulated her to me. Right. It was like, you are... And then she said that thing about, like, being in the locker room or whatever. <laughs> and that's the other thing I really appreciated with about the show is it is really talking about sexism, even though it's making fun of her. Right. Um, the whole show is talking about sexism. She's right. the only... I mean, obviously, Rashida Jones, Anne is there, but she's not working in the government. Right. And I'm sure other characters will come in. But in terms of, like, the government... And Audrey Plaza is just, you know, intern. intern. Right. But she's the only woman, and everyone makes fun of her. And so it's pointing that out, even though she's ridiculous. Right. And so many of those where she's like, you got to get down into the locker room. But then she has no right. idea how to talk to anybody. <laughs> and, the, and the, like, you know, mom always talks about growing up in a town with the Irish and the Polish and whatever. And just... It's just the most awkward... Right. thing where she's trying to connect with him and yeah so I did that one made me laugh because I was like oh okay I, I'm getting yeah. who you are she You're- had two Michael Scott moments there was that one and the other one um sorry next one is from the next episode I won't spoil it dun, dun, but there's another Michael Scott moment where again it's just a it's just a quick they don't focus on it Michael Scott I think they would focus on it they would become a longer bit this uh-huh. was just a one-off line where you just kind of oh right you um, so the well actually moment you mentioned how Mark Brandon you liked him Mm-hmm. The interesting thing of the well, actually, the original script had Mark Brandenowitz going to Ron Swanson to ask him to give the project to Leslie Nope because he had met Ann Perkins and liked her oh. and wanted to keep seeing her. Oh, that would make it horrible for sure. And so I guess they had they showed it to some test groups and they're just like no. And so then they changed it to make it that it was this magnanimous where he said, oh my gosh, she's so excited about this and kind of semi-pity, semi, you know, but does it somewhat out of the goodness of his heart. That's so funny because that was the one, that was the moment where I was watching and it's that shot of him looking at her working with her weird neck brace and it, he cares about her and he doesn't want everyone to make fun of her because of those weird pictures. And it was the moment where I was like, Okay, I might like this show. Right. Because right. finally somebody in this show cares about anybody else, right. even minimally, right. you know, even just as like a human, <laughs> where you're just like, oh, you know, that, I'm so sorry that she's being. <laughs> and so that's funny that I'm, yeah. I'm sure that it, otherwise, if that moment hadn't happened, then everyone's just kind of in their own jerky circles. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Everyone's, yeah, there's, just, there's no other than there's no Leslie. Connection. There's no real rootable, and it's hard to connect to Leslie at this moment because she's so. Excited right. and ambitious. Not that ambitious is bad, but she, she takes her job so seriously right. where most people, they want to do work, they want to come in, they work there, do their job, they do it well, but then there's the separation of, okay, we're going to go home and now we're going to be home where she's just like, no, no, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's right, parks department all the time. And also there would be no interconnectivity between any of the characters without that moment because right. you don't get a sense that anyone, any of them really 
you know. Right. Um, yeah, so that's funny. They must, well, I'm glad that they changed uh, that. Too. I would have been Me like, too. Hmm. Me too. <laughs> um, so other couple notes. Uh, like I said, it aired on April 9th, 2009. Uh, it started with 6.77 million viewers. Apparently it was sandwiched between two episodes of The Office. Oh, interesting. Um, so... Um, I'm sure that's you know mm-hmm. why. Um, and then the improvs, according to Wikipedia, which I'm sure is accurate, um, the Tom <laughs> Haverford's lengthy hitting on Ann Perkins. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, he was he had the lines to hit on her, and then he just kept going. <laughs> and she was trying not to laugh, and they just said, "Yeah, let's keep it in there." So he kept going. Um, his stories about a drunk Leslie Nope. Apparently, improv oh, those, uh-huh. and then Andy Dwyer, Chris Pratt asking for his itch stick. <laughs> Which and you'll see there are a couple more coming up where that makes sense because their reaction to it was very yeah and you'll you'll see again it shows me how smart some of these people are that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be to be able to come up with that mm-hmm. to me is incredible and and Chris Pratt has some lines that just will blow your mind how funny they are that he just came up with on the spot mm-hmm. that were supposed to be throwaway lines that become just laugh out loud moments well that's it and you can feel how they're all committed to their characters in a way where. Something like that would come out naturally within the improv because no. they're not necessarily like, what, what would be funny? Although they might do that. But it's also like if you're truly playing that character, if Aziz Ansar is truly playing that character, then he can just go. Right. You know, like because it's right. – he's – that's no. – I liked, I liked the parts where he was like making deal with the sod man. Uh, yes. That was great. Yeah. He's – yeah. He, he's, he's actually he's weirdly good at his right. – weird at, good at making deals even though he does it in just the worst way. Right. And that's um, – again, you can see – Early on, that these are people who are good at their jobs. Tom Hapford is good at making mm-hmm. deals. He's he's a deal maker. He's an idea guy. You can see that right out of the gate. And so, although he's weirdly off putting, he's also weirdly on puttings. You kind of it's a weird relationship. But you got to you you can see where you might like him or yes, where you might respect he, his abilities. Yeah, if he stopped being right. So so Tom. Yeah. So you know, trying to get into every woman's pants. Right. I mean. You know, and I mean, a little awkward. <laughs> with a wedding ring on his finger, but we'll get to that story later. So, uh, are you hooked yet? No. No. I'm, I didn't, I enjoyed watching it. Sure. But I enjoyed watching it the first time, too, and I, la- I definitely laughed. But I'm not, I'm not in love with any of the characters yet. I, yeah. But I'll okay. see if tonight I think of, you know, if I think of a moment as right. I'm wa- brushing my teeth or something. <laughs> but again, pilot, weird, it's tough to... Not to get hooked on it. I think, as you said, it's rare to have a pilot that's so good that you're just grabbed right out of the right. gate. I feel like you have to basically make a decision. I'm going to watch the first three episodes and then decide if I'm hooked or not. Yes. Yeah. From well, and, and I did. I did think they. I mean, I. I don't not like any of the characters sure. except for the parts of them that you're not sure. supposed to like about right. them. Um, but yeah, I haven't. I'm not like wrapped in them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A that's almost impossible For to sure. do in a pilot. Well, then we will see. We will see what you think of episode two dun, of dun. Parks and Rec. Dun dun dun. So hit that subscribe button. I think I don't even know how this is going to work in terms of subscribe. <laughs> just know. the invisible subscribe. Just keep button. listening is all I'm saying. Jeez. It's just we're going to keep doing this. So just keep listening. <laughs> Give us a reason to live. You know what I mean? Please. Please. Thank you, sir. May I please have another.